Hello, hello, and welcome to a Week 11 Thanksgiving holiday episode of the Pick and Play podcast. Uh, We are going to be breaking down uh, what we saw last week in the NFL. And excuse me, it is now Week 12, what we saw last week in the NFL. We will be breaking that (laughs) down. I was going to correct you, but I decided to let you rock on that one. I was like, is it 11? Then I realized it was 12 Thursday uh, things are getting away from me. Um, Thursday football, whole slate, Ravens got me on my mind, and let's start there. That's already got me disjointed. Ravens, Titans, big ceremonious rematch, and it ends a little differently, um, but overall, kind of the same outcome. Woo, I'm feeling good, man. Oh, man, that big game, was a, it was a pleasure to watch. Yep. I just want to say that when the Titans fell down 21 to 10, I thought it was a wrap. I actually considered not even, you know, finishing the games. I had some other things I had to do, and I'm really glad that I didn't decide to go do some other things because in non-classic Titans, I don't I don't know how to word that, but the opposite of the classic Titans, they come back from a big deficit. Derrick Henry really got going in the second half. I, the Ravens seem to be allergic to tackling my boy. And I love it. I love it. He closed the game with that 29-yard overtime run, and I almost dropped a baby when when I saw him run that in the end zone. And and that's not an exaggeration. I literally almost dropped a baby (laughs) when he runs that touchdown in. So it was a great game. Uh, What did you you think? What did you take away from it? Um, I know you got some things to say about Lamar right now. Yeah, honestly. So I've rewatched the game. I rewatched most of the games, um, unless I got a real good look at him or or I just don't not going to bet on the game at all. Uh, going forward, um, and really there's two things. I want to say, uh, really, to the Titans, banged-up team just slogged the game out. Uh, it really was. Uh, A.J. Brown, uh, truthfully, everyone did talk about Derrick Henry. The hero for the Titans was A.J. Brown. There's no that doubt about that. It, that. it wasn't just that touchdown. Every time they needed tough yards, he was getting them. And it's not like he's going up against slouches. He was winning against the best corners. Um it was it was a it was a physical game. AJ Brown to me made the difference. It was his touchdown that really put them in position. Um, and and then honestly, if I were to rank the things that the Titans should be thankful for, number one is AJ Brown. Number two is actually the 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 cobbled together defense. And um, before I would thank them, I would really thank Lamar. Uh, to me, this was Lamar's worst game as a pro. Uh, out of everything I've seen, I've watched him in the Pittsburgh game this year where he had four picks, and I went, you know, really, when you rewatch that, there are three passes in that game where I go, Lamar, those are bad passes. Uh, when I watched this game, there were so many bad and late passes by Lamar. It's kind of crazy. Uh, a lot of people went to Twitter to rip Greg Roman. There were numerous times the Ravens had plays uh, twice Lamar missed uh, Mark Andrews for wins. One of them was in the back of the end zone. You might remember they run the play to the right. It's a fake, and they he lobs it to the back of the end zone where Mark Andrews is. He just basically doesn't throw the ball on time, so the defenders are able to crash to Mark Andrews before he can come up with the catch. Uh, he overthrew Hollywood Brown again going into the back corner of the end zone. And then late in the game, where it really would have put it out of reach for the Titans, he throws that ball to Mark Andrews that is to his over his right shoulder, which is completely off the path. Andrews tries to reach around for it, and he misses it. All three of those were just 
bad plays on wide open receivers that you just have to hit. Um, and that was the most disappointing thing for me. That that was the first time where I looked and Lamar was the reason we lost the game in its entirety. He's had bad games before, but the other things you could point to. I'm in no way disparaging the Ravens defense. It was, I mean, we have five corners on IR. The entire interior was out. They played strong. Derek Wolf played his fucking ass off. He was the one that you took a clip of at the end on his hands and knees. But Derek Wolf was fucking hitting. And look, Deshaun Elliott, uh, who stepped in for Earl Thomas this year, he was the guy that laid the wood to Henry earlier and folded him up like a lawn chair. This team that was a big hit. I've never seen Derrick Henry get hit like that before. It was a look. The Ravens were hitting. What the the story of this game was very simple. They go up twenty one ten. They score three more points. That's game. They needed to get to twenty eight. I actually said it at halftime. They got to get to, the Ravens had to get to twenty eight to win that game. They never do. They never did. And for me, when I look forward, first the Steelers game is now postponed with the Ravens. The Ravens have no shot in that game. None. This offense ain't playing well enough, and you definitely ain't finding your fucking groove against Pittsburgh. Could you win a real slobber knocker ugly game? Maybe. But you got half your team that's injured, and the other half's on COVID watch. Steelers are not injured. (laughs) They are going to fuck you up. So, you know, for that game, for me, the biggest thing I took away was I locked up the Titans six and a half when it opened. When they win the game outright, Ravens offense continuously underperforming this year. And it's disappointing for, for how, you know, Derek Wolf and Elliott showed up to play. I mean, they brought the hammers. It just, they turned into the fucking nail by the end of it. You know, I, I do want to say one thing. Uh, you know, we talk about Lamar missing some throws there. He had an interception in the third quarter. I think it was towards the end of the third quarter, maybe, where he throws a ball deep to DuVernay, and it gets picked off by Hooker. And if I'm remembering this play correctly, I don't know what the hell DuVernay was doing, but I felt like that kind of gave the Titans momentum because after that, they go on a 12-play, 81-yard drive to score, bring it down to a one-possession game going into the fourth. And at that point, you're playing the Titans game. Yes. Yeah, and, and here's the other thing. Uh, well, you know, that used to be a Ravens game. If the Ravens had a score on you going into the fourth, that was it. You'd kiss that fucking goodbye. But this team can't run, and they can't pass, so no lead is safe. No, and that's another thing. Um, DuVernay, that was uh, – what in the fuck kind of tracking was that? <laughs> I, I didn't know what he was doing back then, uh, but I loved it. He got lost, and you're like, man, that's a play like – honest to God, that's a play like – most number twos or threes on every team makes. Like, okay, let's say that's A.J. Brown running down there, one-on-one with a corner. This is over. That's A.J. Brown's ball. Like, and you, oh, yeah. you're you probably lucky if A.J. Brown doesn't snatch that ball and then run to the end zone. You know, those are the plays where Lamar, and then I think it started to unravel for Lamar, truthfully. He had missed a little bit of plays earlier, but after that, he just didn't look in sync. And, you know your 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 players got to the Ravens. They here's an here's an interesting stat. The Ravens have zero zero defensive pass interference is called against them, meaning their wide receivers have not gotten a single PI call. Oof. Their wide receivers have also not gotten a defensive holding call. 
So that so they're getting blanketed. They are getting blanketed and removed from the game in ways that are. And when you watch them on film, Hollywood Brown is so silly to watch on film. People put their worst corner on him and say, "Just play physical with him," and they fold him up in a duffel bag and walk around the field with him. It's crazy. <laughs> he can't. He is not open. He's only open on these uh, underneath routes where he can slip out and then get his speed. If you get him on the line, it's over. This team is not really using their weapons. I think James Prosai should be on the field more. I don't want to see Boykin ever on the field again. Honestly, I'll give Duvernay a little more time to try to put it together because he's a rookie. I, I, I honestly would put Duvernay on the field. I would take Hollywood out. I, I, would, I would stop using Hollywood as much. I think that you limit yourself so much on offense when you say, hey, this is a one-on-one matchup we will never win. And that's what you're doing with Hollywood. You're saying this is a one-on-one matchup they can throw almost any defender on and they win. And Hollywood needs to move back into the slot and be a on-the-line slot receiver. From there, he can work quickly, mesh through traffic, uh, and create tight, hard first downs, and every once in a while maybe break one open. But he can't operate on the outside in that space. They just eat him alive. So um, I, I don't, right. I don't have much That's essentially what we've been talking about all season. Yep. They need that true guy on the outside. You know, if you can kick Hollywood inside, I think he's a lot more useful out there. But if you're going to use him as this outside guy, uh, you know, the corners are the physical corners are going to erase him because he's my size. Yes. Yeah. Allen Robinson is a free agent this year. Ravens go get him. One stat before we move on to the rest of the games here. Uh, after this game, the Titans now have a top three player in broken tackles at wide receiver, tight end, and running back. Yep. Uh, that's just kind of what they do. A.J. Brown, uh, Derek Henry, and Jonu Smith. It's going to take a couple guys to tackle them, and I love to see it. They're the new hard-nosed football team, really. Uh, uh, they just are gritty, and that's go- it's great. They're going to be competitive as long as they maintain that philosophy. They have the right pieces, and they have a tough road the rest of this way, but they pick up one wild card advantage over the Baltimore Ravens. All right, what's next on the docket here? This one stays in your division. Uh, at halftime, of it's actually kind of funny. You at halftime were like, well, this kind of sucks. Meanwhile, Indianapolis is fighting with Green Bay, and at their halftime, looked kind of over. Green Bay had 28 points at the half. When it's all said and done, Green Bay scored three more points. The Colts, the Colts, which I said, if you can't get after these quarterbacks, I thought Green Bay would pull this off, especially after halftime. Colts defense makes an adjustment, shuts Green Bay out for the entire second half, slowly comes back, whittles their way, wins in Green Bay, and that all sets up a fantastic matchup this weekend of a divisional rematch, Colts and Titans. Now... You're riding high. It can feel awfully low here in a minute. You know, with the Colts, uh, I think I said this two weeks ago when the Titans played the Colts, but, like, they're the bully. They're the Titans bully every single year. And so when it comes to those matchups, I'm never going into it thinking that it's in the bag. Uh, the last two weeks, the Colts have played the Titans and the Packers, and in both weeks, I said that I don't think that the Colts could score enough points to, you know, to play with these teams. And in the last two weeks, they've gone over thirty points. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, they've got one of the better defenses in the league, and if they're going to be scoring in the thirties, then it, it's scary out here, honestly. Yeah. But the Titans need this one for the division. Yeah, I, honestly. 
I would love for you guys to win this because the, we beat the Colts. So you beating the Colts would push them more into our realm. Uh, from that perspective, we could win a tiebreaker. Now, the only other thing I would point out, if the Titans lose, it's a fucking... It's not easy. Uh, you, you do have Cleveland after that, which, again, I'm thankful for. Um, and then two gimmies, Jacksonville and Detroit. But you go at Green Bay after that, and there may be a first place on the line for Green Bay in Green Bay. That's going to be a tough game. Uh, and then you finish at Houston. And I'm not really sure what to make of Houston. Deshaun Watson's really fucking good, but I, I, I just don't know what to get. But this is a big game. You win this game. Honestly, you win this game this Sunday, you punch your playoff ticket. I, my fingers are crossed, but I'm not even going to make a prediction for that one. I'm just hopeful. Okay. Let's let's do a reverse look real quick. Three rookie quarterbacks entered this week. Justin Herbert, Tua, Burrow. Now, one of them doesn't finish the game due to injury. One of them doesn't finish the game due to performance. And the other one looks like an all-star. Let's start Justin with Justin Herbert wearing the crown, just like we all predicted. Right? Yeah, I know. Very weird. He looks great. They hang on the to the uh, beat the Jets. Um, I will toot my own horn here. This was one of my picks where I said I don't understand why you'd ever give the Chargers six points, um, but they win easily over the Jets. Herbert is now easily the rookie of the year, right? Uh, that the offense rookie of the year. That's locked in. That's over. No one's close no, to him. Mon- his numbers are monstrous, and he's got Keenan Allen looking like an all-pro again. Uh, I think you got it. it. It's locked up as long as he stays healthy the rest of the season, I think. Yeah, I, I, I do too. Um, and even if he doesn't at this point, the only one I could th- see taking it over is Claypool. Uh, and I just don't I – don't, I don't, he just won't have what Herbert's done. What Herbert's done is fucking crazy. Um, right, I think Claypool would have to have another one of those monster four touchdown games to really make it close at this point because Herbert, Herbert looks like he might be a pro bowler soon. Yep, and then you flip over to Tua. Now, we're going to break down some, some coaching a little later, but Tua gets benched for Ryan Fitzpatrick, and we'll take our thoughts on that on Brian, Brian Flores on the side. But you, you, you I want to flash back. Early on in the NFL, when quarterbacks were becoming a thing, flipping quarterbacks in and out and rotating them in a game for game by game for drive by drive was not uncommon. It was actually pretty. It was pretty normal to cycle through your quarterbacks um, in the '80s or what is it '90s when the uh, the Washington Football Team won their titles they won it with three different quarterbacks you didn't you you used to not hold on to to quarterbacks like that so it's an interesting it's not unfounded it's a little bit of a hearken to the past um and and yeah the 80s sorry when, when they when they made their run in the 80s even with dallas during that time quarterbacks got flipped out it's a very interesting thing they used to go drive by drive uh i believe it was don meredith used to get pulled and put back in and he you know dandy don meredith from the cowboys uh under uh roger stahlbach not roger stahlbach that was the quarterback also that later on got platooned by darn it why can't i remember mr dallas himself america's team um 
Darn, I hate Blank You're giving Willis. me a crazy history lesson right now because I don't know any of this. Yeah, uh, Dallas Cowboys. Uh, damn, he's got the – Tom Landry. Damn, how could I forget Tom Landry? Tom Landry. Tom Landry actually was famous for flipping his quarterbacks out all the time. So this isn't a – this isn't super new in terms of being done. It is really fucking weird for 2020, though. It is weird. And you put Fitz in to jumpstart your team and you lose anyway. Um I think there was a little bit of desperation, but when it comes to Tua now, you know, there was those rumors that they were going to see what they had. Now he wins two games, comes into his third, gets benched halfway through. It's interesting to say the least, right? It is very interesting, and I don't really know how to feel about it, to be honest with you, because you putting in Fitzpatrick against the Broncos, it's not like they were facing some world beaters. Uh, You putting... Fitzpatrick in to me tells me that you know you're at least for the game your confidence in Tua wasn't the highest and I just I respect the decision but at the same time like Fitzpatrick came in and threw a, a game losing pick like oh, let Tua do that if you know if that's what's gonna happen let him let him learn from that mistake you know if he's gonna be your franchise quarterback then what are we doing here yeah let him take his lumps you know, for Fitzpatrick to come in the game and go on a 13-play drive, drive all the way down the field, and then end it with a pick is very Fitzpatrick. But I think if uh, I don't know, maybe maybe it's tough to judge this because if if it works, if Fitzpatrick goes in and instead of throwing that touchdown at the end, they score and they go on to win, then we're sitting here like, what a great decision, you know? Yeah. So it, it's tough to judge it. Me personally, I would have let Tua stay in there and take his lumps because. If he's the franchise, it's not going to be the first time that he, you know, enters a game where he can't figure out the defense. Yep. So I, I don't think I would have made that call, but hindsight's twenty twenty. If Fitzpatrick wins the game, then we're talking about what a genius move it is. I'm going to break down how I think this is perfectly in line with how the Miami Dolphins plan to play their future when we get to Brian Flores. Um, but let's go through the last young quarterback that sadly suffers a season-ending injury. This was the concern, dude. Um, her life was in your hands and the Joe Burrow Bengals basically let him get mauled to the point that he takes a season long injury I don't know if he'll be ready by next year the NFL offseason is the longest of all the sports so perhaps he can put it together it is a complete destruction of his leg it looks a lot like what happened to Teddy Bridgewater who disappeared for years uh, the Cincinnati Bengals have two wins. I don't see how they get another one. This is completely deflating for them. Um, hopefully they can use that those high picks to put some put some meat around Burrow. Uh, but they did actually invest pretty heavily in the line recently and in the offseason. Uh, of course, you can second guess it now. But this is really upsetting. I was never that big on Joe Burrow. Uh, you know, I've called him baby arm Burrow. There is a small contingent on... Twitter that refer to him as them um, uh, based on his ability to push the ball to the sidelines and down the field. Uh, So I really didn't have high hopes for his ceiling as the season was going on, Uh, but his brain was there. I just don't think he had the physical traits. Uh, but now he, he he's even going to fall further behind in his development. This is a really sad thing, but I don't want to stick a fork in him now, but you know, I thought it was going to be tough to come out of Cincy anyway. You can't really afford this, too. Yeah, and I think in the offseason, the thing that we were curious about with the Bengals is if they could protect him. 
we found out that the answer to that question was no. He was getting his ass whooped all all season, really, except for the Titans game because we can't get pressure on anyone. Right. And and so I, this is almost like it was inevitable. Like every single week, if you watch the Bengals, you saw Joe Burrow standing in the pocket taking hits, trying to roll out of the pocket taking hits. Like he, he took a lot of them. And I just hope that he doesn't end up the way uh, Marcus Mariota ended up in Tennessee, where you know the hits kind of add up. The, the injuries start adding up, and then, you know, before you know it, the, the great prospect is now a shell of their former self. So I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen to Burrow. I'm sure he's going to bounce back and be fine. I just hope that while he's out, they fix the protection. I don't think they will. I, I want to I real quick harken back to Marvin Lewis, um, who needs an NFL coaching job. People forget how bad the Bengals were as an organization before he got there and turned them around. And when I say turned them around, they didn't win a playoff game, but they won. They went to the playoffs seven times. And now look at how we look at them. We, 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 we thought that they maybe could put something together around this guy. Uh, let me tell you, 15 years ago, 20 years, 20 years ago before Marvin Lewis got to Cincinnati, that's not how we thought about the Bengals. We thought the Bengals would just get whipped by everybody, no matter what they did. No, you remember they used to always the have the, uh, the fans in the stands with the, yeah. with the paper bags on their heads. Yeah. Marvin turned that all around. You basically didn't win a game last year. You're going to win two this year. I go hire Marvin back. I grovel. <laughs> Please, Marvin. Uh, you know, it's tough. It's kind of like that Mike Tomlin factor where you don't realize until it's bad or you're like, oh, yeah, like, uh, that's what we have. Okay. <laughs> you know, you're competing. You're competing in the NFC, the AFC North. Last year, you dealt with the Ravens, who went 14-2 and and had the MVP. This year, you're dealing with the Steelers, who are 10-0. and Like, that's your fucking division, man. There isn't a harder division in sports year in and year out. It's just oh the you could say that uh, the East in baseball uh, that's a really tough that's a really fucking tough one but you know the Ravens and Steelers are always a Super Bowl favorite and you have to survive in such a toxic environment it's bad ownership I feel sorry for the Bengals I like your colors I'm an Oriole fan I know what it's like to have bad ownership you got the wrong colors you got the wrong ownership sorry uh, let's slide over to some some head coach talk how in the fuck. And I mean, in the fuck is Matt Patricia employed? How do you get I don't know, blanked? Man. It's the same reason that Gase is employed. Dude, the <laughs> at least the Jets have looked competitive at times. They lose last week by one score. They nearly beat the Patriots. Look, they were hapless earlier, but they're rounding into form under my boy Joe fucking Flacco. But when I look over at Matt Patricia... You, you know, the, 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 the next shutout is like week five. It's been like six weeks since someone's got shut out. And you let the Carolina Panthers shut you out with no Christian McCaffrey, no Teddy Bridgewater. You just lose? How, how in the fuck doesn't, like, Matthew Stafford put his hand on Matt Patricia's chest and go, you're not getting on the bus. You, you, you're not getting on the bus. This is it for you, bud. We can't do this anymore. This is over for you. I'm sorry. How does that guy have a fucking job, man? It's fucking crazy. The case is one thing. Patricia's been there for like four years. Yeah, my thing with Patricia is that he's supposed to be a defensive coach. And at no point in the last two seasons at least have you ever looked at the Lions defense and been like, oh, yeah, I'm scared of that. 
you know, at no point <laughs> I know. has their defense look scary, and he's supposed to be a defensive guy. And so if you're a defensive guy and your defense is cheeks, then what are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing here? I, I don't understand. I'm like you. I'm confused because the, the Lions defense has been an, it's been asshole. Anytime you watch Matt Stafford, it's probably because he's trying to put on some heroics at the end of a game to pull one out of their ass because the defense couldn't get a stop. Yeah. So I, I don't understand why you continue to retain the head coach who is a defensive guru, quote unquote, whose defense is getting ripped apart every week. Yeah, it's fucking bad. It's fucking bad. Um, and, and and I I want to flip this over to someone I'm encouraged about with Brian Flores. Okay. Brian Flores last year said he was going to do what? Win fucking games. That's what they said. Okay? They're going to win fucking games. Now, they're going to start whoever the fuck gives them the best chance to win these games. They obviously feel it's Tua. They know that their future relies on Tua. But if you're in the third quarter of a game that you really fucking need, you need that fucking game against Denver. I actually don't now see a problem with him pulling in. At first, you know, honestly, at first I was like, you know, that kind of bothers me. But the more I look at it, I'm like, no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. It doesn't bother me. I don't really care that much. You needed a win. He was playing bad. People can have bad games. You know, Clayton Kershaw gets pulled, okay? Clayton Kershaw has a bad outing and gets pulled. Pitchers get pulled and they put in another, they put in another pitcher. I actually don't understand why you wouldn't do it more if you're struggling. If you have Fitzpatrick and Tua, and look, most people don't have this type of, uh, you know, a, a backup you could go to that could actually help you win. See, the thing that most people go, oh, well, it's, it's shitty that he did that. And they go, well, it's shitty because if you pull Matt Stafford for fucking, you know, what's-his-face, and the guy comes... And Jeff Driscoll. Jeff Driscoll. Okay, now I can be mad. But if I, hey, I go, hey, I benched uh, Tua for a quarter and put in Fitzpatrick. Okay. Okay. I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, I was watching Tua. He wasn't going to get it done. Okay. You can put in Fitzpatrick. Sure. Let's do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, who do you think is more likely to lead you to a second half comeback? Tua or Fitzpatrick? Oh, Fitzpatrick definitely has the better chance of getting hot. You know, uh, you see what Justin Herbert does. If Justin Herbert has a terrible game, I've seen what Ty uh, Tyrod Taylor does. I'm not putting in Tyrod. But Fitzpatrick is someone that you go, on a must-win game, maybe he can shoot me back into this. My, my, Brian Flores is telling his team one thing, and it's an incredible message. You know, as a football team, when you send this message, I believe it does good things. And the message is simple. We're here to win games. Let's win games. I don't think anyone should have a problem with that. Yeah, this is like the equivalent to me of uh, the let's call it the Lakers in the playoffs putting in Dion Waiters when they're on a drought. You know what I mean? Like, is this right. the guy that you want out there? Probably not. But this guy has the best chance of getting hot, and if he gets hot, we're cooking. Right. And, and that's exactly how I look at the move, and that's why I don't I didn't want to shit on Flores too much earlier because this is one of those that was one of those decisions where the conversation is purely results based. If you know if it works, we're talking about him being a genius. It doesn't work, so we're sitting here asking if it was a good move. I, I don't mind it ultimately. I I, I would have I, I personally would have left to win, but I don't mind it. Yeah, and and that's that's the other thing. Um, 
if you leave him in, you lose, I'm fine with that. You pull him and you lose, I'm fine with that. Now, if you go back to that 1970s football where you're pulling people, pushing people, pulling people, pushing people, pulling people, pushing people, I don't really like that. But for one game and a game where you really got to give it a go, and, and obviously they were shutting two out, I, get, I give it a look. So I don't have a problem with that. All right. This slate, this weekend, has a couple really good games. We'll, we'll, we'll briefly touch Baltimore and Pittsburgh. I'm going to tell you this. Baltimore will keep this game competitive, but well, maybe, honestly. I, I think that the amount of people that just went on the COVID list, a lot of people are like, oh, this is bullshit. It's going to give the Ravens more time to uh, you know, get healthy. No, no, no. Anyone that tested positive is out. It's 10 days minimum. In fact, if they tested positive today, they're not going to be able to play next Thursday because the Ravens have a game next Thursday as well. So the, what's actually happened to the Ravens is they were banged up, and everyone that's healthy is now out. Their offensive line is going to be in complete shambles. The defensive line, Calais and Williams, both on COVID. This is uh, both centers for the Ravens, COVID. This is going to be a very tough game. I actually have already locked in Pittsburgh minus two and a half. I think that's a gimme. Uh, I think this game's going to be over by halftime. Uh, I think the Ravens will make a slight comeback as Pittsburgh will let the, let the foot off the gas a little bit. Uh, I'd love to be wrong about this, but it does not look fucking good, and the Ravens are missing their best pieces. Um, the interior of their defensive line to get after Ben Roethlisberger and disrupt him, that's out. Good fucking luck. Uh, the, your, all, your tackles are already both flipped around. One's out. Your interior is now out. You can kiss this fucking goodbye. But uh, Dobbins and uh, Mark Ingram are out. Yeah, um, it's a great Can game. I complain for one second. Yeah, I just want to. I just have a, a small complaint. NFL, if you're gonna move this from Thanksgiving prime time, can you give it to me at four o'clock? I know. We only have one good four o'clock game this Sunday. Why are you shoving this one in at one fifteen? One fifteen. Why? I don't get it. Why one fifteen? Like, give me this at four thirty or four twenty-five. Why don't whatever. you give it to us on Saturday so we can get it out of the fucking way? I would take it on Saturday. I just you're gonna push it back to the one o'clock slate where now there's six games on, and you know I want to be able to focus on this one. Yep. And and you know, luckily there's not really much on the one o'clock slate, but uh, it still is disappointing. Uh, also on that one o'clock slate, Raiders Atlanta. Now I call this out for one reason. I think there could be. I'm going to go on a limb. I believe this game will be over 80 total points. Sheesh. I know. I think it's going to be. I think this game could be a fucking bloodbath. I mean, if if Atlanta's wide receivers all play, if they start losing people, I don't know. But the Raiders' defense leaves huge holes. And their offense can score with any fucking buddy. And Atlanta does not have a defense. That Raiders' offense is going to put up fucking points. They're pissed off after that Chiefs' loss, which was close as fuck. They're going to handle Atlanta. If Atlanta's healthy too, this is going to be a shoot fucking out. I, I think there could be 90 total points in it. 80 total points in this fucking game. I think it could be an insane yeah, think- bloodbath if they're healthy. This one's going to be interesting. The Raiders are actually four and one on the road this season. They're better on the road than they are at home. Yeah. Uh, so this, you know, this might be one of those matchups where you keep an eye on the Raiders. But do you want to talk about that Raiders Chiefs matchup real quick? Because 
that game was very exciting, and I thought Derek Carr put them in position to win that game, and their skill players just kind of let him down. Uh, but the Raiders, when I'm watching that Raiders-Chiefs game last weekend, I, my thoughts are, wow, Like the, the Raiders might be a team we need to take seriously this year in the playoffs. Uh, the Raiders are a team. I've been banging that drum. I, team Raiders, Team Dolphins. Uh, big on both of these teams all year long. I love me some John Gruden. He's a damn good coach. I've been banging that fucking drum. People have not wanted to hear it. They think he's goofy. Fuck you. No one's played Kansas City twice that well. No one. Except... Right, they really should have two wins against Kansas City because I was watching that matchup thinking the Raiders are going to win this game. Yeah. Uh, look, they get Mahomes... They had too many drops at the end. They had drops, but really their defense fucked them. I mean, that defense is bad. That defense was right. leaving people wide open. And some of that scheme, but most was just bad defense. The Raiders, the, the Raiders are a team that you're going to have to deal with. The Raiders, minus, meanwhile, are minus three against Atlanta this week. Gobble that up. Um, the Raiders are well coached, and that offense is well, well, well executed. They did great. They did as well as you can do against Kansas City. You've got a lead. They've got the ball. There's a minute left. You know, you, you, your defense just hemorrhaged it at the end, but, uh, you know, that's the way it lands. That's the way it goes. The Raiders are another one of those teams, kind of like the Ravens, where I look at them and wonder, I wonder what they would look like if they had a true number one receiver, you know, because the Raiders are doing, their offense looks great, and they're they're throwing a Nelson Aguilar, Henry Ruggs, I mean, Darren Waller's pretty good, Hunter Renfro, but none of these guys are that guy, you no. know what I mean? They're I schemed well. I would have yeah, if AB had his head screwed on right and was still on that team, I would have loved to see what that looked like. I think AB would have had close to 1,800 yards. Imagine him in this offense. He'd be wide open all the time. Like, exactly. they scheme everyone open. He'd be eating. He would be eating. So, fuck him. Um, <laughs> last big game this weekend. And I love this. I actually love There was another big game. I was going to put Arizona New England in here, but New England losing last week kind of eliminates them. So I've got, there's, there's really one good game. Los Angeles uh, Chargers and Buffalo is going to be a fun little shootout, but the Chargers aren't going to win that game. So what's going to be fun here, and uh, I, I think could be an absolute barn burner, uh, Kansas City is going to catch Tom Brady before his nap time, and the Chiefs and the Buccaneers are going to play at 425. Now, Tampa Bay, I want to I want to tell everyone this if you don't know. Tom Brady goes to bed every night at 9 p.m. Tom Brady is one in three in primetime games. His only win coming against uh the Giants, who Daniel Jones flubbed that game. Okay. Tampa Bay had did this thing all week where they moved practices later in the evening so they could try to keep Tom Brady awake. It's funny that it's not father time that's beating Tom Brady. It's nap time. And <laughs> Wait, you're for real? That's, they, they were really doing that? That's 100% real. This is all real. What? Yeah. So Tom Brady isn't doing well in primetime games because his body should be asleep. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? I keep thinking you're gonna say just kidding. This is for real. Yeah, it's for real. <laughs> he this has is for to real. be in bed by nine p.m. He's so asleep he's... by nine. Asleep by okay, nine. He so says. Tom Brady just the king of one p.m. games. I, I think that's the case. One p.m., four p.m. 
Um, it, 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 Google Tom Brady sleep. Here's what pops up. Tom Brady, like most top athletes in the field, had an affinity to sleeping well. His discipline takes him to bed at 9 p.m. every night, and he sleeps for 9 to 10 hours. Wow, so when he plays Monday night or Sunday night football, is that's really bedtime. It's becoming more of an issue. Uh, now, he has been doing this. I believe that he has done this for most of his career, okay? But I think there's a combination of age catching up, uh, the games you're playing. He looks bad, man. If you look at that team, there should be no reason why they are struggling for two reasons. One, Brian Leftwich needs that play call, playbook slapped the fuck out of his hand. And two, Tom Brady is not playing good football at night. Now, the sleep thing's funny. It's something he has done. This is actually a fact. It's happened before. But it's becoming a thing. He just can't play well right now at night. So uh, I'm interested to see how this game goes as it's not a fucking 9 p.m. game. Uh, and the Kansas City Chiefs are coming off a tough fought game. Uh, the, the Tampa Bay is getting three and a half and the over under is 56. What do you think happens here? I think that this is going to be a shootout. Uh, I know the Chiefs' defense has been a little underrated this season. They've allowed 20 points or fewer in seven of their 10 games so far this season. Two of those, uh, so are, two of those are Oakland, by the way, or Las Vegas. Okay, okay. So I, I think that this game is going to be in the 30s, I think. this I could see this one being a 38-31 type of game. I think that both teams are going to, you know, both offenses are going to be humming. Uh, the Chiefs, I think, are going to pull this one out because in the last couple of weeks, I don't think that the Bucks secondary has looked that good. I've seen Jared Goff pass all over them. I've seen a, a few people pass all over them in the last couple of weeks, and that's a little concerning to me. Uh, so if Jared Goff, if Jared Goff, excuse me, can pick you apart, then I'm thinking Mahomes is going to have a field day this weekend. But I expect this game to be good because these are two teams that are well-rounded. They're good offenses. They're good defenses. I expect to see a good one, but I do think that the Chiefs are going to win ultimately because I don't think their secondary can hold up against uh, against the Chiefs. Yep, I, I think that I think the Chiefs. God, I don't know. I look at it over fifty six, and I think that's where I'm going to hover. But it is also this: there are only two games that are really going to be wor- well. There are three games: you have the Tennessee, Indy, now Baltimore and Pittsburgh, and then Kansas City, Tampa Bay. The night games this weekend. Green Bay, Chicago. I mean, go fuck yourself. And then Monday is Seattle and Philly. God damn it. Like, God fucking damn it. What a fucking bad group. Uh, and, and and besides that, on Sunday, there's really nothing else I'm looking for. That Monday night game is gross. Gross. I think if, if you don't have anyone playing in fantasy, <laughs> I don't see why you would turn that one on. I have no clue. It's fucking terrible. Um, let's real quick walk through the last two games now on Thanksgiving. Houston, Detroit, Washington, Dallas. Uh, Houston, Detroit. Houston is giving three points. I'm just going to say this. Take Houston minus the three. Deshaun Watson. Just take Deshaun Watson to beat Houston. I think, I mean, to beat Detroit. I think that's pretty simple, right? Um, yeah, I think the, uh, maybe I'm, it's recency bias or something like that, but I feel like every single Thanksgiving I'm sitting in front of the TV with my family watching Detroit lose. So <laughs> I'm going to go with the Texans as well because I don't remember the last time I saw them win on Thanksgiving. Maybe I need to look that up. When is the last time they won? Thanksgiving? Nom. No, I don't know. Uh, uh, four years ago. Four years four ago. Four years ago was the last time. Who'd they, they play? Washington? <laughs> Hold on. Let me look. 
I'm gonna say it's like a. They pl- maybe played like a. Hold on, don't don't say who it is. Give me a hint. What division are what are, what are they NFC? You looking it up? Yeah, I'm looking it up right now. Okay. Keep going. I'll let you know when I. Go. I want to see which one of those it is. Um, so let let's let's continue down the road. Uh, we have Washington and Dallas. This is a tried and true Cowboys versus a football team, as they're no longer the Washington Redskins. It is no longer uh, the mantra of old. We have the red and blue though. So. Dallas is minus three. This is just a game where they said, we don't really fucking know. Here's minus three for Dallas. Over 46. I'm going to take the over. I actually like over 46. Um, I think both these teams are capable of scoring 21 to 28 points. Andy Dalton, although it is Andy Dalton, and this isn't quite prime time, so it's going to be interesting. I think both these teams are susceptible. Um, I might end up teasing Washington in the over. I actually may do a two-team tease, take Washington yeah, if I do a two-team tease, I can get six points. I can take Houston and turn them into plus three and then take Washington and make Washington plus nine. So that's what I'm going to do tomorrow. That game's at 4.30. I should be getting ready to eat around yep. then. So I'm going to be paying more attention to my plate than I am the Cowboys and Washington football team. Uh, but I actually got the answer here that we were looking for. Hold on, for. hold on. Like, Your... give, give me a hint. Was I, what, did I get it right? Did I get it right with Washington? No, ah. uh, this was 2016 NFC North. NFC? Oh, they played a division game? And they beat, that would be, that's pre-Mitchell Trubisky, so that would be, it's doubtful they beat Aaron Rodgers unless he was hurt. Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins hadn't got there yet, right? So that would have been Case so. Keenum. But, but they went to the play. they go to the playoffs that year with Case Keenum. Uh, it's Chicago. It is Minnesota. Minnesota, fuck. Minnesota in 2016, 16-3. Who was the quarterback of Minnesota since you got oh, it up? I'm sorry, 16-13. Who was Minnesota's uh, quarterback? I think it was Keenum, but hold on. Really? Okay, because they went to the playoffs, I thought, that year uh, with Case Keenum because that was, the year, uh, that was the year that Case Keenum beat them in Sam Bradford. Sam Bradford. Ah, the holdover. Okay, Sam Bradford. I was like, ah, Chicago sucked then, too. That might be them. Um, yeah, okay. Funny stat from the game, Sam Bradford completes 31 passes in that game, only 224 yards. How many uh, How many attempts? 50? 37, actually. It was 31 of 37. For 200 yards? 24. <laughs> what? He was completing passes for, like, four yards? Uh, yeah, apparently. In a loss? Uh, Captain Checkdown. led the team with nine catches for 64 yards and average of seven yards of reception. Oh, my God. <laughs> Ugh. We had to watch that on a thankful day. Holy fuck. You know, at least the, the this year. distracted you. At least this year we have Alex Smith versus Andy Dalton, you know, a huge upgrade from that 16-3 massacre. 16-13 massacre we had to watch. We get... Uh, robo leg and fucking the ginger kitten so eh, god what a what a fucking mess all right any any parting thoughts before we get out of here fuck the colts as usual uh you're gonna see me or you're gonna hear me heartbroken next weekend if the titans fall to them again uh but you know i have hope this time if you you don't know we don't normally lose to them twice not since luck's been gone yeah so. Uh, you know, I'm I'm hoping. Fingers crossed. I think that this is a, a going to be a bounce. I think I think you guys will be fine. Uh, I I just do not like Indy. 
Uh, I think Green Bay falls asleep at the wheel too much, and I think that's Aaron Rodgers' fault, truthfully. Um, when you lack intensity on the field, I don't look at the coaches, I'm going to be honest with you. When you say, ah, I feel like you know we let our foot off the gas, you did, asshole. You did. You on the field. You fucking let your foot off the gas. You act like someone out there was driving a car, and you're like, ah, fuck, if you just kept pressing the pedal over there, I would have played harder. You, you know, when you're down there, you, you can get pumped up for the game. During the game, though, that's on you. Man, just real quick, the that game ended because in overtime, uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling fumbles the ball on his own side of the field, and he, you know, I recovers know. and has a quick, nice field goal. I only bring that up because my boy MVS went to USF, go Bulls, and that hurt, you know, that hurt as a USF alum to see my boy fumble on his side of the field in overtime. Like, that is the last spot that you can turn the ball over in. Yeah. And, and it, it happens. Um, but here's the truth. When you're up like 28-10 at halftime, and you go, ah, you know why we lost? We lost because that guy fucking fumbled in overtime. No, fuck you. You lost because you fucking gave up an 18-point lead. That's why you lost. You lost because you somehow let an 18-point lead go, and you tied with them at halftime. You know, same thing with the Ravens. Oh, you, you, Derrick Henry ran away from you. No. You squandered a 21-10 lead, and then when you got the ball first in overtime, you did nothing with it again. Derrick Henry only got an opportunity because other parts of your team failed. Okay? Uh, Scantling fumbling the ball does suck. But you lost because of the way you played going into that play. Not because of that play. It's, it's, it's yeah, one of the Packers for that. I, I really thought that they were going to give the Titans a, a game. You know, I thought they were going to give the Titans a game on the standings, and then they go and blow it. Blow it. And now, yeah, yeah screw, screw Matt LaFleur. Yeah. Fuck Matt LaFleur. We don't know if he's a good coach, by the way. We know Aaron Rodgers is a good quarterback. We don't know he's a good coach. Um, and, you know, there's going to be a lot of that. We don't know if Zach Taylor is a good good, uh, good head coach either. But now with a fucking Burrow hurt, we, we, you know, that's going to go unnoticed again. Okay. Wrap up here. Thanksgiving coming up tomorrow. Let's do, let's go off the side real quick. Leo, how are you doing Thanksgiving this year? Uh, it's, it's gonna be, you know, I know most people, or maybe not most people, but a lot of people are saying not to do Thanksgiving this year or to keep your ass at home and this and that. I'm still going to my parents' house as usual. I'm gonna fix me a good plate of food at mom and dad's. I'm gonna have some turkey, some ham, some stuffing, you know, probably some Puerto Rican food. I'm then gonna go to my fiance's house and I'm gonna do the same over there. I'm gonna eat a lot of food and then I'm gonna go home. I'm going to treat this Thanksgiving uh, like I normally would, uh, but luckily I'm going to be at small family things. It's not going to be anything big and major. How about you? I haven't had big Thanksgiving. I haven't had big Thanksgivings in like 10 years. So like my Thanksgiving is like my aunt and uncle and like three cousins. You know, it's not more than eight people. That's the way it's been for me for like, uh, like seven years. So, you know... Hey, the, the whole, like, uh, I don't know what kind of Thanksgiving everyone else is going through. And congrats to you that you, you know, have a lot of close family. Um, but for those of us that, 
go, hey, we're gonna we're still doing Thanksgiving, and you go, ah, the the COVID. I'm like, I, I totally respect COVID. I work from home. Uh, I do not put myself in situations that I could be exposed to. What I wear a mask. I stay six feet. I hand sanitizer. But I'm going over to my uncle's house, who's retired. <laughs> I'm not worried about them. Um, the kids don't do shit. Uh, we're we're going to be hanging out, uh, probably watching football, eating turkey, and then coming back um, late. Uh, I got a couple things Friday. got a regular work day. Um, I'll say this. I've seen a lot of turkey slander on the Twitter timeline. Um, turkey slander. Uh, I know. Here's the thing. Well, every time I see it, I, I, I'll tell you how I feel. I see someone go, everyone needs to wake up. Turkey's not that good. It's not something you would order in a restaurant. And you're like, you're fucking right. I wouldn't order in a restaurant. I got a question for you. You ever seen a fucking turkey? You ever seen a fucking turkey? You don't just fucking order a fucking turkey, asshole. It's not on any fucking menu. They're not on fucking menus. There's nobody that's like, yeah, I got a whole turkey in the back I'm carving up. I hope people want this today. You know, chicken's easy. That little motherfucker, you just throw a couple in there. You can't keep a turkey raw and be like, oh, I'll just cook it in five minutes. That's not the way this fucking works. And I know a yeah, lot of you... have seen at, like, uh, gas stations or maybe, like, a, a PDQ or restaurants like that that during Thanksgiving season they'll start serving up the turkey sandwiches with gravy and cranberry. And it's like, bro, I'm not fucking eating turkey from here. Yeah, Are you kidding pass. Me? That's your leftovers. Fuck you. Like... That's your leftovers. I'm not doing that shit. Uh, look, I, and, and then another part of this is this. If you don't like turkey, but you like other foods, like chicken, you're, you're a red meat person, you eat seafood, you're not picky. You just don't like turkey. I got news for you. You ain't never had good turkey. You are eating dog shit. Some dry ass fucking grits feeling turkey that doesn't have anyone fucking steering the ship on it. And no wonder you fucking hate it. The gravy's probably dull. Oh, it's a homemade gravy. It's water in a pan. They put no love, no butter, no giblets, no nothing into it to give it any flavor. And so basically you're just eating sand and water. And I totally understand why you don't fucking like turkey. But understand you look in a fucking mirror and next time go see how they cook it. When they take it out and they cut into it, is it sparkling juicy? Because it fucking should be. Because that's how the turkey I fucking eat. I'm not fucking eating no dry goddamn turkey with some bullshit gravy. How the fuck don't you like turkey? What the fuck is there not like about turkey? You like chicken? Yeah, then you like turkey. This isn't fucking difficult. You eat shitty turkey. And your only experience with turkey is once a year you get to go to your fucking aunt's house and she cooks sand in a bag and you get to put it in your fucking face as Stouffer's provides the mashed potatoes. And that's your fucking problem. That's not our fucking problem. Us turkey people that like turkey and we only eat it like twice a fucking year anyway... That's because we're eating good food. We know what it's about. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've had it. I've had it with the slander of turkey. Had to get no, that yeah, out. That was the most passionate turkey uh, uh, rant I've ever heard in my life. I, I agree with you, though. I love turkey. And maybe it's because my family cooks it the right way. So every time I have it, it tastes delicious. But I think it's great. I think it's great. Yeah, people don't cook. That's the truth. I think we did this earlier. We did a we did a podcast on a little bit on food. Maybe we'll do a little more, but fucking turkey. All right, let's get out of here. Wait, 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 uh, go wait, for it. Go wait, for it. Before we get out of here, 
the hype. I need to know the hype around fried turkey. Have, have you had fried tur- deep fried turkey, actually? I've never had deep fried turkey, but I see people over and over every year say, yo, this is the way to go. Is it true? Is that the truth? I've never had it, <laughs> but I've heard that it's fucking crazy because, <coughs> oh, started a little early. Um, I, I, <coughs> I believe that when you fry the turkey, it basically seals it. So it just like cooks itself. Which sounds fucking great, by the way. I also want to say that when people go, oh, the fried turkey's great. You know, I don't know anything. There are things that they fry that are gross, okay? We fried an Oreo that, okay, back away. Now you're getting nuts. But, you know, any type of dough that's fried is great. Any type of chicken wings are fried. They're fucking great. You know, fried chicken from uh, Chick-fil-A. Great. That is that is lightly battered and fried. It's the, frying shit apparently is good on everything. I heard that they also blow up though. Like that's a yeah, thing. Yeah, like I they blow up. Well. I don't know if that's a, a risk I want to take on Thanksgiving, but I just keep seeing people say that the fried turkey is amazing, and I, I maybe I need to meet someone who does it that yeah. way and go to their house for Thanksgiving because yep. I, I need to sample this. I, I'm I'm in alignment. And I'm getting too old to say I haven't haven't tasted it. I will say this, a uh, little on that turkey fact. You do hear this is an elevated time of year for fires, especially uh, caused by the grease fire of a turkey. And apparently, okay, one of the there are two causes to this. Um, one of them is people put the turkey in while it's still frozen, which instantly explodes uh, with the oil. Throwing oil everywhere, and that causes a fire. Okay, there's enough dumb people that I'm pretty sure do that enough. The other thing is they don't thaw the entire turkey out. So you'll go, oh, the outside's done. The inside's still frozen. What happens is when that water melts, it does not mix with oil. So there's a lot of people that do it shittily and cause fires. If that's you out there thinking about doing it for the first time this year, just be careful. Google it. Watch like six YouTube videos. It can't hurt. But there are a lot of ways those cause fires. You don't measure the oil right. You put the turkey in, the oil goes over the side, hits the flame. You're fucked again. If you have room, cook it outside in like an open field that you can fucking hit with like a fire extinguisher or something. Because they can go. I know my friend used to do it growing up. Actually, fucking, uh, holy shit. I swear to God, the Merles used to cook a fucking turkey, like fried, out back. Yes. yes. Yeah. Am I wrong there? I'm right. I remember that shit, right? Yeah, that's where I first heard of it that's now that right. I'm thinking about it. The fucking Merle's had one out back. I, I I don't talk to them anymore, but um Shout out to the Merle's. Yeah, shout out to the Merle's, yeah, wherever you are. That's that's funny though. That it was their fucking area. That's where I seen. Okay, so let's get out of here now before further damage is done. Uh you can find me pick and play thirty seven on Twitter. You can find Leo at Pick and Scroll. You can find us on Pick and Play Podcast or anywhere that you listen to your podcast. Please rate, subscribe, review, and shout out to all the listeners overseas.